It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Right here, the home of it, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for episode 175. Just 25 away from 200. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you. And holy cow, special Wednesday release of the pod this week. And rightly so, as the NLL trade deadline has come and gone. So we have lots to talk about trade-wise. We have... Who we had the week that was, we have our Stampede Stallions, of course. We got Brandon Bomberry of the Georgia Swarm coming up in quarter three. And, of course, who you got in Lax Class Locks in the final frame. So look forward to all that, Brad. Welcome back to the podcast. It is absolutely pissing rain out there on a Tuesday afternoon. But uh, how's it going? I know we saw each other over the weekend, but what's been going on the last couple of days? Uh, it's been good, brother. Nice to see you. It's never raining in Latin. It's always sunny in South Delta. So I don't know why it's raining out in your neighborhood and, and not mine, but I'll take it. But yeah, nice to get together on, uh, on Saturday night, Toronto rock, Vancouver warriors at the Raj. have a nice little dinner before the game and mm-hmm. jump right into the game, which was kind salad, of a, yeah. kind of a stinker on the floor for the Vancouver Warriors side and dominating nice. performance by the Toronto rock. We can talk about a little later, but always fun to get back in the booth those ones are always a little a little tough to call but mm. um you know chris gill's post game comments were something like i was impressed by nothing on the floor <laughs> but i was very impressed with the crowd well listen and it's really starting to build in there man like if we could just take away the atmosphere in rogers arena or just just highlight the atmosphere in rogers arena people are walking away from those games really stoked right now and coming back for more listen i cannot remember the last time that I had talked to an opposing team with such glowing reports from where they had played. Like first I, I you know, super disappointing Dan Dawson unable to play in that game. So the record hold is on, on break, but I had a chance to see Dan at morning shoot around and had a quick chat with him. And he had never been in Rogers arena before. Shockingly enough to, to me, with a guy that has been around the league as long as he, I would have thought maybe back in the old Ravens days, but no. So he was like, this building is beautiful. The turf is perfect. Like couldn't say enough things about Rogers arena. And then I had Bruce Codd uh, message me after telling me how impressed he was with the production that goes on at the Raj during a Warriors game. And then Jamie Dowick called me today and was like, Man, he's like, you know, I know it was wasn't that great of a game, but that crowd was into it. Nobody was leaving. They were singing, and you know, I know the five dollar beers do not hurt the atmosphere in there one bit, but people are just getting after it. Like it is a absolute rager in there. Well, yeah, like it's you awesome. Have to think too. You have to think too. Like guys like Hardy and Jamie Dawick, and even you know Dawson won a championship with Rochester at the Langley Event Center. That's what they were used to. Like I'm sure and Toronto used to come here Fair. once a year. There was a, there was yeah. always a home and home, right? So I'm sure guys in the past 
you know, I love the people at the Langley Event Center. So don't don't take this out of context if they're listening from the LEC. I love you guys. But like, I remember Dylan Ward posting a comment years ago saying like, Glorified you guys don't play in a rink, center. you play you play in a rec center. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what guys around the league felt heading in to a 4,000 seat building. But now when the veteran players are coming back and they're coming into the Raj, which is one of the best buildings in in the National Lacrosse League, they're they're probably blown away. And as much as the team has improved on the floor since those days, everything sort of around it has as well, right? So I think that's what they're sort of walking away impressed on. You mentioned Dawson. Yeah, it sucks we didn't get to call that. We, you know, it was, it was in all the game prep. We had to redo the whole intro of the broadcast because it was all going to be Dawson focused, getting the record. But yeah, he's got a little bit of a, a upper body, lower body injury. So, and Toronto's heading into a bye week this week. So the Rock figure it's best to sit him for that game, which sucked. Like he traveled, he was a game time decision, like... as you mentioned. So he thought he was going to do it. So he's going to sit this week. He's going to have a bye week and then be back to set the record at home at, uh, at, uh, at yeah, Hamilton. Which... But I wanted to squeak this in because okay. we did have a, we, we did have a chat with uh, our favorite referee before the game in Todd LeBranch. And he did remind us that he's up in the three nineties <laughs> as far as right. Lego homies going to crest 400 games this year, which, uh, which is pretty impressive. So that that's uh we wanted to have to shout out Todd LeBranch for that. Cause that, is impressive. That's a full schedule of games for like 20 plus years, right? Yeah. That's a uh, future that's pretty hall of famer, man. No doubt about it. Yeah, Dan no Dawson no looking at, at three Oh seven, I guess at the end of the day, it's the right, right thing for Toronto, not only to rest, you know, triple D, but let him get it at home in front of friends and family and, and do it up right there in the hammer for when it goes down. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Vancouver. I'll just, the last thing I'll say on it, man, is in a 14-5 game in the fourth quarter, that place was still rocking. Like, nobody left, which impresses the hell out of me. Well, so, I remember how loud it got for one of the late garbage Vancouver goals in that fourth quarter. I think maybe it was one of the, wasn't the killing one. It was a fourth quarter goal. Yeah, and the place like blew up. Like it was like a tying goal or a one goal game at that point. Like, no, that was your garbage time, seven goal deficit, nine goal deficit goal. Yeah. But the crowd, the crowd ate it up. And, and you know, Bowering local kid, I'm sure he's had friends in the family of the building. So that could have been the Coquitlam contingent in yeah, the far and then corner. Four but. out of seven down the stretch here for Vancouver at home, too. So good things ahead in that department. Totally. Brad, we want to focus on the trade deadline here in quarter number one because, uh, it was active, man. Eight out of the 14 teams were involved in some sort of deal or another. And I know you got all the deals down in front of you. So I guess we go chronological on this, hey? Yeah, why not? So like six deals altogether, if you count the Sean Evans deal that happened. Uh, well, he got two games in on the weekend. So it happened kind of last week, but... Happened after we recorded the podcast, usually as, as uh, big news stories like that go. But Evie, from the Rochester Nighthawks to the Halifax Thunderbirds for their second round selection in 2023 and a conditional second in 2025. Um, and then he gets into lineup and because Steve Keogh is out on COVID, so they thought, hey, we can't, you know, we can't stand to split or drop these games this weekend. We want to keep the momentum at the top of the standings. Let's bring in someone to fill in for Steve Keogh. It's Sean Evans, and they go 0 for 2 with <sighs> Evie in the lineup. He scores one goal, I think, in the two games. And, you know, as much as I saw that and I went, holy shit, Halifax is really all in, as, as we kind of predicted they would be. This is their chance for a run. 
almost looks like maybe this is a disrupting of the apple cart in Halifax that now has deep, deep right side. But how do you get all those guys in? How do you get you them flowing now with the guy who has so much attention as Evie does? Well, that's why I thought it was going to be like a temporary stopgap. I thought he was going to play this weekend and then they were going to move him again, which didn't happen. But I think like, well, obviously we thought that the deal was made because of Keo going on COVID. And like you said, they didn't want to split or go 0 and 2. Well, that's what happened. But I thought for sure they were going to flip Evans again. Didn't happen. So now they have Connor Watson, Reese Dutch, Austin Shanks, Chris Bushy, Clark Peterson, Steve Keo. Who am I missing? There's another one there. It's ridiculous how. And Sean Evans. And Sean <laughs> Like, I, I don't know what. And the deadline's done, so I don't know how you find room for all these guys. I know Dutch and Watson are kind of on the outside looking in right now, but still somebody really, really good is going to be sitting every night there in Halifax, and it just really seemed to change the chemistry and the dynamic of that Halifax team and offense. And it's nothing, like, I don't I don't want to attribute it all to Evans, but it surely played some sort of role in there. Well, it has to. It has to like, and it, this is the, just me a theme we're going to talk about sort of disrupting the apple cart of some of these trades, because some of these moves were made in areas that I think some of these teams were in Halifax's case, especially successful in, like, I don't think anybody that picked apart the Nighthawks lineup over the last two weeks at the deadline thought they would add a right-hander just because of the flow that those guys are in. If you take guys out of the flow, even if you dress, you know, doesn't matter if you dress three righties or four righties, you dress four, you're taking guys out of their rhythms that they're not used to. And they have to. a new guy to learn how to play with. And and a guy that commands the ball and that much yeah. attention, right? Like, I do admit there was a shot on the bench with, uh, you know, Cody Jamison and Sean Evans having a conversation on the bench in the Georgia game. And I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, here's two guys that are the same age, that won a Minto Cup together, that are going to be going into the Hall of Fame around the same time one day. It's cool to see that one-two punch. Yeah. But... I don't know, man. It didn't come to fruition in week number one. And then to make matters even more sort of confusing, they ship out Steph LeBron and bring in Dawson Thief. Yeah, this, well, this was very perplexing. And it leaves my gut saying there is more to this than a straight-up trade. I know Dawson Thief has had issues Getting down to Fort Worth is he attends school playing hockey in Halifax. So the acquisition of Dawson Thede makes a lot of sense for Halifax. I don't know how much time he's going to... Obviously, he'll see a little bit more. But the departure of Steph LeBlanc and the return for it is very perplexing. So it leads me to believe that there's more to that than meets the eye. And I don't think he was ever staying or reporting to Panther city. Like part of the reason that he is a Halifax Thunderbird is because he resides in Halifax and the travel is obviously very convenient, not so much trying to get to Texas from the Maritimes. And what did that last Brad about 20 minutes, half an hour. And he was flipped again to the Georgia swarm. So at the end of it all, Halifax gets Dawson Thede, Panther city gets two draft pick, two second round draft picks, I think. And Georgia ends up with Steph LeBlanc. Yeah. So, so a couple of things there, but you mentioned feed. I think he goes, plays hockey in Halifax, the one of the universities there. So he's more or less an in-market guy and there's a shot there. But again, Halifax had a good thing Steph, going. 
had a good thing on it, even especially with that left side was a little bit streaky, but I don't think it was anything to do with the play of Steph LeBlanc. So maybe they're looking at this sort of like addition by subtraction. Now the ball is all for, for Fennell who they're super high on yeah. and for Jackson and for Cody Jameson. And then maybe they bring in some sandpaper and grit with feed if they, if they need it. I do think Steph has a great home now with the Georgia swarm. Cause I thought the same thing. He goes to Panther city. I'm like, well, this is a team that's been preaching. They want the ball in the hands of their young guys sticks all season long. And their offense just put up a 20 spot against the Colorado mammoth, which is incredible. So I do think Georgia is a good home for Steph right now, whether he gets in every game, whether he spots in here and there, I think that's a nice complimentary piece and, and makes a lot of sense. And we'll talk to, Brendan Bomber, you wrote this in a few minutes, but it's nice to see John Arlotta, who never brings in veterans. Like Obviously, this guy, he believes. If it's, a free, if it's a free agent that he's loyal to, like a Joel White or a Jordan Hall, bring those guys back, no problem. But you're very rare to see a second-round pick go out of the hands of Georgia to bring in a guy in his 30s. So... They obviously like what they see in Steph LeBlanc. They think that he can finish on that side if they need him to be. And that's really all they need him to be. Like maybe maybe Walker gets a little bit less playing time down the stretch here and they bring in a veteran like LeBlanc. One, two, this a is game a team that I think is for real. One or two goals a game out of Steph, they're going to be over the moon with that, right? And obviously, Arlotta believes in this team. And the way that Mike Poulin played over the weekend, if they get that kind of goaltending, this Georgia team can play with anybody in the league. I'm convinced of that. I really am. Yeah. It, it's just, it's taken. They've been the, one of the hardest teams for me in the last couple weeks. They've taken a while to gel because of yeah. so many. And I think this, faces. this allows Colsey, Brian Cole to go back and maybe a traditional transition role for him, where I think he is more effective. Like I think it just, and now they got miles coming back as well. And I think this just all balances everything out, adds some depth at almost every position. And, Guys will fall into their natural roles here after after their deal. Buffalo Bandits trade Brent Noseworthy and their fourth round selection in the 2022 entry draft to the New York Riptide in exchange for their first round selection in 2024. So Noseworthy and a fourth for the Riptide's first. At first sniff, Ooh. it's a pretty high price to pay for Brent Noseworthy, who was drafted in the first round. But are you trading... A first round pick for Brandon Noseworthy. At no, I'm I'm not. And wasn't Noseworthy like struggling to get into the Bandits lineup on a regular basis? Eight, eight games, yeah. eight out of their eleven, I think. Okay, he got into. so that that might not be a fair comment, but it for me, Brad, a new franchise like the New York Riptide should not be trading any first round picks away. Period. Like end of discussion. But they did. They get a good serviceable back ender and noseworthy. And I guess at the end of the day, it makes a little more sense once we find out the long-term plan here of, of Jimmy and, and Rich. Right. And that leads to the New York Riptide trading Tyson Gibson to the Colorado Mammoth. <laughs> when I hear- Rookie of the year, Tyson Gibson. Number first one overall draft pick. pick. Yeah. Yeah. Tyson yeah. Gibson to the Colorado Mammoth in exchange for a first that they recoup plus Tyler Digby plus Ron John. And so again, initial sniff here. Like I thought we would be talking about Jeff Teat to Tyson Gibson for the next well, the decade. Chemistry like we were that in, those in two, junior Brad, the, the chemistry that those two have had growing up together and shocking, shocking, but 
on the flip side of that, the way the Riptide offense has been clicking, like they're putting up goals and like obviously Connor Kiernan has taken a big giant step in his career and Callum we know is a very dominant player on that side of the floor and it just seemed like Gibby was getting lost in the shuffle a little bit in that New York rotation. Like they seemed to prefer Jake Fox almost and maybe that afforded them to make that move. But it scares me because how long is, is Showtime going to be around? And then what? Then you then your number one overall pick is gone, and he's not there. So I do you replace him with the first rounder that, that you got back? Maybe. And we'll see. We'll see how. I just, he didn't, it almost seemed like Gibson was the odd man out there, which is crazy to think about when you're talking about a number one overall pick. Yeah. I, I agree. And how many years does, so yeah, it might've been an off year for Gibson, but how many years does Crawford have to go? Well, and if Crawford's it, not there, him and maybe Teep. Gibson's role comes up and then you've got your number one pick from a couple years ago and a former rookie of the year ready to, to jump in and take that bigger role. Like it's not easy to fit in with Callum Crawford. And as you mentioned, Fox and Kiernan have found a way to do that. Gibson, not so much, but I think you suffer Get, short him term. Out. Let him figure and I wonder now, like, is New York thinking playoff spot this year? Well, Are they thinking that this could get them to the dance into a playoff spot, whether it's in the East or West this season? I mean, maybe I like, I like the reacquisition of, of Tyler Digby. It's obviously a guy that's been there before. So he knows the organization. They know what they're getting from him. And they need a little bit of that on that offense as well, right? Everybody could use a big-bodied guy to to clear some space out of there. He's not really producing at a goal clip so far that maybe he has set the standard for himself to get to, but he's not going to need to in that riptide offense. And then you throw Ron John into the mix as well, who still going through some growing pains on the back end, I would say, for, for young Ron John, but bright future ahead of him and, and a guy that they can work with and develop. And so, so technically New York Riptide are up Ron John and Noseworthy on their back end, plus Tyler Digby and, and they reclaim a first round draft pick for the draft pick they gave up, but they're down Gibson. Tyson Gibson. So, and I know like a gym development team is going to be built from the back end. Right. So I think Ron John and Noseworthy are going to look good in that lineup because how many years does, you know, McRae and, and guy and the veteran, some of their veteran D D guys have. So this is kind of a wash for New York. It's interesting. And then the Colorado mammoth insert Tyson Gibson into that lineup. And that's a pretty scary thing for them now too, is they continue to thrive on guys that are younger than 30 years old with Robson and and Robinson and Lee and Wardle and this young core that, and Zed Williams and this offense, then now he's going to be added into which just screams to me pretty much perfect fit in Colorado. The way that they move the ball, how quick they are, how much he's not going to need the ball in a stick, just because he need to finish on that crease. This is a really good fit for Tyson Gibson in Colorado. I think so. I think it is. And we're going to find out Friday night uh, as they take on Vancouver, what it all looks like. They do depart with LeClaire who was sent to Philadelphia. So that, kind of opens up that spot for Gibson there. So uh, very active where the Colorado Mammoth at the deadline and, you know, no, no like super big monster explosion deals, but still some pretty significant moves here. And, 
Anytime you're slinging first round picks around, uh, the deal matters. I can tell you that. I think we, I think we got more trades than we anticipated. Yeah. Like we looked, there was a minute there where I thought, okay, we're going to have like two, we're going to have the Evans deal. We're going to have, um, the first couple that trickled in on, on, on Monday night, Tuesday morning. And I thought that was going to be it, but then no Philadelphia trades, Anthony Yoakum and their third round selection to the Colorado mammoth exchange for Sam LeClaire, which you just mentioned. I think LeClaire is that energy that we've been talking about for that Philly's been lacking yeah. this whole time. Yeah. Like he is that spark plug. He hasn't found a way to make it into that Colorado mammoth offense, but if he's sending picks and creating for Ben McIntosh and Crowley, that could be the energy in that youth that the Philly wings have been missing. Sure. And then you add to that, that they take Hickey out, which, you know, I think they had a little too much of that sort of player, especially on that right side. So they take Hickey, they ship him to San Diego for a second rounder. So I think LeClaire is going to like get plopped right into that lineup. And yeah. it's going to be like, see, let's see it. Let's see what you can do. You're going to get a run here of three, four games in a row to, to prove that you belong in, in the wings lineup who are, on a slide right now, so you you had to think that Paul Day was not just going to sit on his hands and do nothing, and and went out and made a, a couple of moves, getting a draft pick back for Hickey, and then bringing in Leclerc and shipping out Yoakum. Well, they were embarrassed on Saturday, Holy. like four games in a row with under eight nine goals, and they do it again. They put up five against Matt Vince and the Buffalo Bandits, and I think Paul Day not going to be happy with that. Um, no, and then look to make a move. That, yeah. and Hickey's Hickey's the one that's out. He goes to San Diego for a second, and San Diego kind of gets that righty trigger man. Like, remember when they signed Reese Dutch in mm-hmm. the COVID season that he never got to play? Like, clearly they were looking for a righty trigger man. Well, they draft Le- now- Leclerc, right? And I think some rookie growing pains with they started out kind of like gangbusters, but he and Leclerc and Mac O'Keefe have kind of struggled as we hit the midway point, which is completely understandable as a rookie in this league. But, you know, I think San Diego feels like they're real close and they didn't want to just kind of hope that things were going to get better. And Hickey, former 50 goal guy in this league. And I, you know, I don't think he's going to reach that clip again, but he's a still a real serviceable shooter. And, and I think he could get you 30. Yeah, that's. I'm not going to give you. A, it's not cold or hot take territory. That's that's like right. Luke. It's, Luke. It's, I think he can do that. Yeah. I think he can do it. But this is another situation where, what's the brightest point of the Seals offense this season? It's been Westberg oh. and, and Jeremy Noble, and sometimes yeah. and sometimes Trey Leclaire, right? So, is this going to disrupt that, or does Pat Merrill see an opening and some finishing time for Brett Hickey? in that offense, that's been pretty good this year. Yeah. For me, like I thought if they were going to go do anything, it would be on the other side of the floor with Audi on the IR, Dobie clearly banged up. Jackson comes back. He went down. I think he finished the game, but clearly wasn't right. And then you got the veteran Zach Greer there. So, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses on that left side for the San Diego Seals. And they're, you know, a significant injury away from maybe being in some trouble. So I thought if, if they were going to do anything, they maybe would have addressed the left side, but they go after righty scoring. So you tweeted this out eight of 14 teams get in on the action. Um, only one team with a winning record doesn't make a deal. That's the Toronto rock. Yeah. Vancouver warriors. Don't make a deal. Calgary roughnecks do not make a deal. Um, Sask. The team that SAS doesn't make a deal. I think that's probably, the story or the anti-story 
of the week. And I think we're just hearing that the price tag was way too high to rent a Dilks or a Corbeil um, or a Kyle Rubish out of, out of Saskatchewan rush camp. If you're getting first rounders for Brent Noseworthy, what is the price tag on Chris Corbeil? <laughs> no offense to Brent Noseworthy, no, no, but like no. a proven three time champion, a veteran league in this league and a captain, like the price tag had to have been multiple first or yeah. a first and a couple bodies but that's what you got for, for Tyson Gibson. So, you know, two firsts and a body, like it must've been pretty high for DK. The whole compensatory pick thing just muddies the water and makes significant trades for free agents. So difficult in this league. And I don't want to get off on a tangent, but this needs to change in our league and it needs to change yesterday because like, nobody else is doing this. Yes, there are some compensatory picks in other leagues, but not the way we do it. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a first-round draft that's 25 picks long with 14, 15 teams in it. And it just it waters down the importance of drafting well, and, and it hinders trades, and it just... I'm getting off on a tangent. Um, Scott Loeffler tweeting this out because Evan was scratching his head at this uh, Brett Hickey trade, and, and Scott Loeffler, president of the bandit, says... Compensatory picks are different now, not just a one-for-one anymore. If you lose a player but gain one, it's a wash and no pick is awarded, provided the players are of equal value. So if you sign an unrestricted free agent but lose an unrestricted free agent, there's no compensatory pick coming. So, you know, and I think but like nobody knows that. this, right? Like I didn't know that. Surely fans do not know this. Like I just like I we need to open up the books here so people can under help at least try to understand, you know, well, contract sounded, statuses I, and all of that. Yeah, I sounded like an ass like I normally do. But on the podcast last week and I think on Coast to Coast last week, because I was saying, oh, Halifax is the only team with two first round draft picks coming up. But no, that wasn't true. Buffalo has two. Georgia, um, I think's got and two. And I think Georgia's got two as well. But you can't find the information on the I compensatories know. anywhere. Like swarm it up is the best you can do. There needs to be something on <laughs> NLL.com that completely lists everything and, and then and they then have it, it too brad like they, it's there like i know it exists and that's that's kind of my issue it's like if it's there open let, let people see it like what harm are we doing by allowing people to be in the know on this like we're literally relying on a guy in a city that doesn't even have a team anymore and god bless the corporal because like he is is such a good resource but it's not right it's just not right. The best. So I, all in all, I think it was a pretty interesting week. And I, and another thing just on the Saskatchewan rush point is that they've got a double header this weekend. They've got the Calgary Roughnecks. They've got the Rochester Nighthawks. They might be looking at that. Hey, we win these two games and Vancouver loses to Colorado. We are right back in the mix. So, you know, again, everybody sitting back and, and criticizing the Saskatchewan rush, they've lost a bunch of one goal games and they are still right there. Uh, on the cusp of things and can turn things around in a hurry. I tweeted this out because I was looking at the schedule this weekend. Like this is this weekend Bananas. is nutty. Yeah. We've got a game Thursday night. Well, hang on. Let's talk about it. No, we will, but let's just, okay. I'm just trying to paint the picture here. Okay. We got a Thursday night game. This is just what we get after the trade deadline, a Thursday night game, six games over the weekend, three teams playing double headers. Calgary has a two home game weekend, which is always fun. And the East who made all these deals this week. Sit idle. Three out of eight teams are playing. Like almost the entire East 
is recovering this week and, and heading into a bye. So we can't even see the Philly offense or, you know, get sort of rejigged and, and Halifax tries to bounce back and see what they're up to. Everyone's, everyone's sitting on their hands this week, but the entire West, um, maybe after this weekend, we'll see what the West is all about because the West is completely up for grabs and the entire West plays one and, and in some cases multiple games this weekend. Yeah, I still say push this trade deadline two, three weeks so we can separate the pretenders from the contenders, get a more, more clear picture of who is in it to win it and who is on the outside looking in here. And I think the trade deadline would be even more spectacular. Just uh, putting that out there. Like what's the harm? Wait till the end of March. Well, I know I'm looking at, because we're prepping for Brendan Bomberry. They're, they're two thirds of the way through their schedule. And so maybe you should be three fourths of a way through a schedule before a trade deadline happens. I haven't looked at NHL and sort of done the math there, but I think it's more like, they have what twenty games left after the trade deadline in, in hockey, which is one quarter of the yeah. season. We're Fraction doing the, talk on lax class this week, right? We're doing it at the third, <laughs> two thirds mark, which is a lot of lacrosse left to go, right? All right, uh, so nice little breakdown there of all the trades that took place at the deadline. So that is over. You can still go out and sign street free agents as well. That day comes up a little bit later. I'll check my calendar and let you know. About that in the coming weeks, but let's get to a big week that was in quarter two with who we had. Keep it right here. Episode 175 is back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. What's up, guys? It's Jeremy Thompson here. You're listening to Last Class, your go-to source for NLL and box grass. Welcome back to Lax Class. Quick break there. As we're into the second quarter, and here in quarter two, I got to thank Associated Labels and Packaging for their continued support at Associated LP. Brad, I just realized we forgot to do our stallions in quarter two. No, we're going to do them here. I am so mixed up today. It's crazy. Uh, associated Labels and Packaging, focusing. I'm, I'm trading you. I'm taking offers on Jake Elliott. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you can get only, a, accepting, only accepting first rounders. Seventh round pick you could get from me right now. You mess up the podcast. <laughs> this is what happens when you up. make me record out of order, just so you know. This is what happens. Associated Labels and Packaging, focusing on people, ethics, quality, and, of course, family-owned Right here in Coquitlam of my hometown, over 40 years down there in Coquitlam, AssociatedLP.com. Need a label, need a package. They are your people. Brad, it was another wacky week in the National Lacrosse League. It was my first sub-500 week on who you got. I'm a little disappointed and, quite frankly, a little embarrassed. But with some of the score lines coming out of Week 15, it's... It is what it is, man. Uh, so let's recap week 15 of the National Lacrosse League. TSN game of the week, Friday night, Albany Firewolves roll into Halifax in a spirited affair, if you mm. judge by the face of, of Glenn Clark on the bench. But Sean Ooh. Evans' first game in Halifax, um, a pretty good goaltending battle. Doug Jamison has one of his best games 
of the season, but the Firewolves win one in Halifax, which nobody does um, to put them themselves right back in the playoff picture. They've beat him twice now. Yeah, Achilles I, heel, man. Uh, this game, like, this is the Albany we saw early in the season. Like, holding teams to under 10, struggling to get to 10 goals himself, but Warren Hill and Dougie Jameson just trading punches, so to speak, in between the pipes for their respected teams. And this game was an under from the get-go. 8-7, the final, and... I, it took me by surprise here, Brad. I did not see Albany winning this game in Halifax, but credit to the Firewolves who just ground one out uh, out there in Halifax. Got to be the chowder. Maybe they're big chowder guys. I don't know. Big, big chowder guys. All they're, they're Halifax kryptonite or the Albany Firewolves. And a and couple of special things here. Again, um, not often we get to see two Iroquois goaltenders going head-to-head in, in Warren Hill and, and Doug Jameson do the best in the world right now, so it's always special when those two get to show each other up. The other thing, like Glenn Clark doesn't show a lot of emotion. I, I, I picture, I know Glenn Clark is a pretty stoic coach mm. behind the bench. Obviously, he played with a lot of fire, but when you see Glenn Clark behind the bench, he's pretty, he's pretty even keel. And there was a goal, I think it was in the first quarter, the Shanks goal off a of Withers face off in transition. Uh, uh, we talked to Todd about to, this too, right? Yeah. And that's what I want to clarify. He was super hot under the collar. And again, like, so what happens is face off takes place. Players it. go off for a change. Tyson Bell lays an axe on somebody on the Albany heading to the Albany bench. I think Wiz passed it up and then Shanks finished on a quick stick and scored. While that's happening, before the ref can put his arm up and blow the whistle because the ball is in in Halifax's hands, the Halifax scores. So Glenn Clark is hot because how does that penalty get to happen and take place? The goal happened. And then Tyson Bell gets penalized after the goal, even though the infraction technically happened before the goal. Well, talking to Todd LeBranch, and this is the same scenario as the the Larson sundown hard pick in, in New York at the beginning of the season or a few weeks ago series of events and the refs just didn't have enough time to blow the penalty down before the ball goes up the floor and score. So technically the refs got it right by the rule of the national lacrosse league, change the rule series series of events, whether you like it or not, that's how the rule books written up. And clearly Glenn Clark didn't like it. I I don't like referees probably don't like like it because it doesn't make sense. If you commit an infraction, if the ball's in your stick, you're gone. I don't care if you score right away. That that goal has to come back. The intention in to blow the whistle has to overrule the ensuing play. It's like that in the NHL, right? If if the puck goes in, but the referee was getting the whistle up to his mouth, then the intention to blow the whistle overrules the puck going into the net. I don't see why this is not common practice in the National Lacrosse League. This is two occasions now where it's reared its ugly head and it's unnecessary and it's not right. It's the, the, the rule needs to be fixed. Like that yeah, goal was, should not have counted. If bell took a penalty, if the penalty happened, like it happened before the ball goes in the net, whether the whistle goes or not, that penalty occurred before the goal. And that should not count. It's simple as that. I agree. And I was surprised that like, just to see how fired up Glenn Clark was. I think that was like the three, three goal in the first quarter. Man. Like if they're this fired up now, what's this game going to look like? But they really got their heads together, cooled down and had a nice little victory there in Halifax. So Albany Firewolves are rolling. 
um, the other Friday night game. Take the over in this one. Panther City puts up 20 goals on the Colorado Mammoth in Denver. 20 to 14, their third victory in a row is now beat Vancouver, Saskatchewan, and Colorado. The three teams ahead of them in the playoff standings, but before that game, and Panther City's now leapt uh, Saskatchewan rush. But another offense that you're now halfway through your season, these young guys, Dodge is not a rookie anymore. Will Malcolm is not a rookie anymore. Like these guys are playing unbelievably and the most complete Panther city performance to date 11 spot there for the good Victoria boy, Patty Dodds, five goals, six assists, uh, Dean Farrell, Brad, uh, no name on the back of his Jersey there, but puts up five with his best offensive game. And I just continue to watch Nick Damood who had some early season. Goalie goal. Goalie goal. Yes. But that's not even where I'm going with that. Like, I, I watched him early, and there were some early season struggles where they were figuring out, is it Orleman, is it Daymood? It's Daymood's net now, and not only does Daymood believe in Daymood, but I think the rest of the team believes in Nick Daymood now, who just looks calm, cool, collected. You don't see a whole lot of spotty, sneaky, slippery goals go by him. Like, he makes the saves that he should make. But for me, it's the offense here at Panther City that has just come to life who saw 20 coming against Colorado nobody nobody saw Panther City putting up a 20 spot I'm sorry if you tell me that you're a liar maybe they win that game but they're not nobody's picking them to put up 20 and how many teams are going right now I think there's another few what's what is another week for street free agents but how many teams yeah how many teams are going man we we know Millie we've talked to Millie like like Rochester probably could use Cam Milligan, especially mm-hmm. in the absence of Sean Evans. I bet there's teams looking out there going, hey, we saw Dean Farrell lighting up the ALL West. We could have given this kid a cup of tea too. XLL and they're, obviously well, they're perhaps. getting more, they're, t- they're making the best of their opportunities, right? Like, yeah, you put Milligan in the Vancouver Warriors, he's not going to get a lot of touches. He's not going to be that guy for Vancouver or for Calgary for that matter. But you put him in Panther City and he's like your number two righty option all of a sudden. He's making things happen. Yeah, I'll tell you, I when Dean Farrell got signed by Panther City, it was fresh off the XLL season, and where Dean Farrell was just going berserk. And I texted Hammer. I said, uh, "Glad to see you signed, Farrell. You're really gonna like this kid. He gets the job done." And he didn't end up making it out of training camp and had to kind of work his way back. But I'm so glad to see a kid that has just put in the work and deserved a look get a shot and then make the most of it. And and I'm just so happy to see it for Dean Farrell because he, he earned it and he's looking pretty good down there in Panther city. San Diego seals over the Saskatchewan rush. I thought this was going to be the rushes bounce back game. Maybe it could be this weekend again. I don't know, but another low scoring one at Pachanga is the seals win 10, nine in the dying seconds, a set six on five play drawn up for an outside Westberg shot turns into an Eric Penny save and then a big fat juicy rebound for an airborne Jeremy Noble to pick it up and finish this one off in the late stages for San Diego, but the rush fall again. Yeah, that was a big loss for Saskatchewan and pretty big win there for San Diego. I think what Saskatchewan went over in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the stats up in front of me here, but San Diego just kind of kept chipping away, chipping away. Frankie was being Frankie once again, 
and maybe the most dramatic finish that we see. I know we've seen some overtime games and stuff, but you know, anytime you can get a game-winning goal with a second left on the clock off a crazy rebound, uh, that was pretty exciting stuff. Like I was jacked up after watching that. Again, rush season in, in a nutshell, though. Like yeah. it doesn't matter if they're up in games and looking good; they're finding a way to not win them right now. And they just they look which is really odd. Like you see, Beers drop to his knees after that goal. They just look like a deflated team. And and yeah, a big weekend, a chance to turn it around this weekend with Calgary and Rochester. But you know, just with the demeanor right now, they they're they're missing their swagger right now. They need to get that back somehow. By the way, like Berg first star with seven points, (laughs) and I know he got the game winning goal here, but San Diego list down Westberg. Jeremy Noble as the second star with one goal. Who's <laughs> the goal that mattered? Jeff Schaller with three and one. It's for the rated run. higher yeah. because of uh, it was a game winning goal. I in the guess. I guess that needs to get figured out a little bit across the league as well. Like, come on, quit. Let's be reasonable here when we're picking three stars from the home barn. Let's let's be fair. Oh, hey, this. and hey, and full disclosure. You and I have picked stars in Vancouver multiple times. Yeah, like I picked um, them last week, and and Toronto won that game fourteen to five. They got first and second star. Vancouver Warrior got third star in that game. Yeah, and who was your third star for Vancouver? Killing, killing, killing. killing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You need a good game. I know you can't. You can't have to take the objectivity out of it, and you, it's tough to give the home team a sweep unless it's an absolute dominating. Like, didn't Calgary get a three sweep star in Cal- like what Vancouver won the game in the game? <laughs> Three stars. Yeah, there's been some silly stuff. Um, this one kind of went as expected. No Ryan Hartley for the Rochester Nighthawks. So Joel Watson Holy. gets the start. He gets peppered early and the Riptide cruise to a 15-12 victory in Rochester. Brad, I think what they scored five goals on six shots to start that game. And I was just like, I felt for the kid. What like I just it was hard it was to funny. watch. The, the, I wasn't watching this game because I was watching I don't know what I was doing at this time. But anyways, I wasn't watching. I got into the group text and you guys are all going back and forth about, oh my God, this is going to be ugly. Take the over. And then I turned on this. Then I turned the game on. It was only like a one goal game. Eight, it was like, or something like it was like eight, six. I'm like, what? Like, that's not, but it was six, not, nothing out of the game. It was like, like, take, take the, take the over by halftime. Take the over by the end of the first quarter. I'm like, it's a two goal game. Like it's completely up for grabs at this point. They end up staying with them throughout, but yeah, not a good start. I think the kid needed some time to, to settle down, but you know, Rochester took a step back without Evan Kirk. They take another step back without Hartley. It's a, it's a big climb for the Rochester. But if you heard Ryan Smith on off the crossbar last week, like this team still has some belief, but a mighty long way to go, especially without Evie there now. Tate casual nine, Tommy Hogarth had a great game for the night. This is the way you do it right here. Three stars, Jeff T, Thomas Hogarth, Callum Crawford. Uh, Riptide with another 15 pack of goals. Like, holy cow, can they score goals with that offense? And now they got a little bit better on the defensive end, too. It's going to be interesting to see what the Riptide. Orleman continues just to keep progressing here. 46 saves in the victory. And Watson did settle down, but I'm sorry, Rochester. Without Rylan Hartley or Evan Kirk, you're in real tough. Joel Watson, great kid by all accounts. Just I'm not quite sure he's right for a starting role in the National Lacrosse League. Second game of the weekend for Halifax. They go down to Georgia on Saturday, and the Swarm come out with a 10-9 victory. Probably the biggest win of the season 
for the Georgia Swarm, I think that game meant a lot. They're now six and six. They're back in the playoff position. They pretty much knocked Philly out of the playoffs. And if the playoffs were to start today, the Georgia Swarm would be playing uh, against the Buffalo Bandits in round one. But I think Georgia, we'll talk to Bomber about this in a sec. I, I see this team really coming a long way from week one, week two, through week 15. I think this is one of the most improved teams throughout the season for me. Yeah. Yeah. They're their their youngsters sort of develop like Connor Curse had another big game walkers fitting in nicely this team is is improving like a fine wine over the 15 yeah. weeks of the season now you throw Steph LeBlanc in that lineup Mike Poulin coming off his best game of the season no question about that and Georgia gets this victory going five for 23 in the faceoff dot which is pretty dang impressive as well so it's funny Brad six and six Georgia but you look at them and the outlook for the Georgia Swarm just feels way more upbeat and positive than maybe a, a team that is right around the same mark just because of kind of where they started, how they got there, and then coming off that victory over Halifax has to give them a huge jolt in the pants here as we head well, down the back, back line. Like, they, exactly. Yeah. I look at, at momentum-wise, and I know their record is still really good and they're, they're comfortable in second place, but that's how there was like a changing of the guard game, Georgia beating Halifax. Cause I think with these trades this week, Halifax is heading in a different direction than the Georgia swarm right now. And who knows what's going to happen in the next coming weeks. But that to me was a monumental game. This is one of the hotter teams in the East and one of the teams that's cooling it down a little bit. Agreed. This one was uh, pretty silly. This is the biggest margin of victory so far this year. The Buffalo bandits put up 17 on the Philadelphia wings, prompting them to make some changes. But this is just the Buffalo Bandits having fun once again and the Philly offense continuing to be stymied. Dane Smith, Brad, on pace here to potentially break his own scoring record of what is it, 137 for Smith? I think he's going to do it. That's actually my hot take on Coast to Coast this week. I'll give you a little teaser on that. I think Dane Smith breaks his own record and he does it by 10. Wow. That's bold jumbo. Well, that's bold. it is called a hot take, Brad. So he is being, um, it is a sneaky season because like all the attention is going to Ryan Lee, Lyle Thompson, Terrence as far as MVP race goes, it's almost like because Dane Smith is so good and so consistent and has all those numbers. It's like, ah, let's not worry about Dane. Let's show some light to the new guys this mm-hmm. year. But what he's doing like Vino. is like, still it, exactly like this guy's on his way to his seventh goaltender of the year war, but everyone's talking about Warren Hill and, and everybody yeah. else. Right. Because it's so obvious of what those guys are doing, but yeah. it is, it is still pretty special that he's got a long way to go in the final. I don't see him slowing down, man. I do not see him or the bandits for that matter. The getting better and better every single game as he put up five goals. This is a rookie, ladies and gentlemen. So watch out for the Bandits. My other hot take, like if I if I didn't say Dane, I was going to say the Bandits are going to win two out of the next three championships. Um, well, Dynasty in the if I know they got to win, get, but if, if they can get another couple of years, if if like Matt Vince doesn't look like he's slowing down, but let's say he wins it and says I'm going out on top, they've got to find themselves another. That's that's uh, another the big goaltender. big concern like he's not going to be there forever so they need to have a plan in place for when vino says enough but final game of the weekend we were there for this one let's say you got another thought on the 
Buffalo Man. No, no. I, I, like, I don't know how much, how many more. Like, I, I don't think he's leaving if they win a championship this year. I think he's going to come back and try and do it again. Like he is at the top of all the yeah. stats. He's the best at in the 30, league right now. At thirty-nine years old. I know. I, I know. And it's like we're we're glazing by the Buffalo Bandits for the same reason. We're we're talking about Dane Smith and Matt Vince right now. Like this is a this is a ten and one team that's never been ten and one in all of the years that they've been the Buffalo. Think Bandits. about like that. Pretty special with doing all the history, all the championships. Bandit is behind them right now. They are a scary, scary. All way. GMing from Steve Dietrich. Well, and here's the thing too. Like, <laughs> I'll give him credit. No, he, he, he built the wagon. But and coaching, yeah. It, no, but this is what I was going to say. Is has JT getting enough credit? Probably not. I don't think he's getting any. Wow. Like he's not getting enough credit as far as like coach of the year mentality. But I think he probably is. When you are dealt the cards that he's dealt with, and it's still got to make it work every night, right? And get them to make it share, and get them to make it work. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. I don't think they're ten and one, but it's like an obvious ten and one, and they're not any of their area are not getting talked about enough. But the Bandits are the the toast of the league right now. No question. Final game of the weekend. We were there for this one. The nightcap on the West Coast. The Toronto Rock rolled the Vancouver Warriors 14 to 5. Talk about teams having fun. Um, and there was a lot of interesting lacrosse being played by Rob Hellier and Tom Schreiber, who had fun in this game. And, you know, Vancouver got the first goal. We thought, okay, this is going to be, maybe this will be a back and forth night. Like these two teams on paper, penalty kill wise, goal four, really power play records. Everything was like dead even between these two teams. But, the Rock are now 11 and 1 over Vancouver since they moved north from Washington in 2014. Yeah, 1 1 after 15. And then the Rock went on an 11 1 run through the second and third quarter. And it was lights out for Vancouver. They, you know, ha- Hammer gets back in the lineup, but he struggled. You know, he's probably not quite right yet. TD Erlin, I have to get this in, Brad. I butchered TD Erlin's name. I was saying Ireland all night long. I did not find out until after the game. I sent TD a message apologizing for. I've been I'm pretty hard on on guys who butcher other guys' names, and I need to dial it back a bit on that, especially after this experience. But it, I want to apologize to Rock fans, to TD, his family. It's unacceptable doing that, and I feel like a complete ass about it, and it's not going to happen again. And for all you young aspiring broadcasters out there, do your damn homework and prepare properly for a game. Something I failed to do. I don't know what was going on because I heard you say it properly, well, but for some reason say. I had it stuck throw, in my not head. To, not to throw you under the bus, like that's. And we didn't. I know we should have had this conversation in break, but like what what a what a good co-host does. You know, if you if you mess something up in a broadcast, I like to correct it. Yeah. But not by throwing it under the bus, but just like if you say, hey, TD Ireland goes down and scores, I'll jump on and commentate and say, TD Ireland just took it right down the middle and shot it off the crossbar and got his own rebound or whatever, right? So if we're listening to each other, yeah. you sort of help with those mistakes. And I was drop, I was saying Ireland all night. But just slap me sometimes upside sometimes the head during a break. Sometimes it just doesn't. Text sometimes. me. It's hard to call a game. It, it is. So I apologize for that. Not going to happen again. But TD Erlin gets his first National Cross League goal. Goes 17 for 22 in the dot. Hellier goes off. Rosie was solid. Schreiber scored a lefty goal that took me by surprise because it looked so effortless. I'm like, me did too. he just I, score I didn't lefty? I pick up that the fact that it was lefty. It was, it was so smooth. So complete 
performance there from Toronto. We talked a lot about the atmosphere and everything inside Vancouver. They're back for country night in a couple of weeks' time against the San Diego Seals, Brad, which will tie in nicely here for our Stampede Tax Stallions. You ready to head for the stables, partner? <laughs> Saddle up! <laughs> We have reached the Stampede Tech in Western Wear Stables here for this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week. Brad, uh, I will let you proceed. I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna defer to you here because uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I got a good one that you are gonna have a hard time guessing. You always let me go first because you usually have. Well, last couple of times you've had a backup in case we are tied um i don't know if you'll have the same one as me this um it'll be pretty easy to figure out the stat line nine goals against 42 saves an 824 save percentage in a win against the halifax thunderbirds mike poolin's 100th career win his best game of the season in georgia's biggest game of the season you know he's had his ups and downs this year we've been questioning how well he's bounced back from covid but this is a guy that's going to get on fire down the stretch and, and lift his team to victory when he needs to. Mike Poulin looked like Team Canada Mike Poulin this mm-hmm. past weekend, and that's scary if you're a Georgia Swarm fan. I think you'll be – yes, it is. Uh, I think you'll be able to guess this. Five and two in a winning effort. Rob Hellier. No. Wore the number six for his team this weekend. Out of Okotoks, Alberta. Dean Farrell. Dean freaking Farrell is this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week by yours truly. I talked about him in in who we had. This guy is a gamer, man. And and I love to see the success stories of guys like Hamer Jackson and Dean Farrell and some of these other guys that just put their nose down, put their head down, they keep their mouth shut, and they just work and play and produce until they get noticed to the point where – the door opens up, and then once you get that opportunity, because you have put so much time and effort and work into getting to that door, that when when the door opens and you walk through it, the moment is not too big for you, and you're not nervous off the charts, and you're gripping your stick and all that sort of stuff. You know that you've earned the right and that you can do it, and you go out and you play your game, and good things happen, and that's what's happened here for Dean Farrell who is this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. Brought to you by, of course, Stampede Tech and Western Wear. And how about it, Brad? Two weeks' time down there at Rogers Arena. It's country night. Aaron Prichette concert. I don't know if you can list off some ditties from from Aaron Prichette's... uh, Hold my beer while I kiss your girlfriend. Is is it a girl or a guy? Okay, it's a guy. It's a guy. Hold my beer while I kiss your girlfriend. That's an Aaron Prichette song. Okay. Uh, country night while well, Stampede Tack and Western Wear is fired up about this. It's just around the corner. You want to make sure you head out to Cloverdale and visit Stampede Tack and Western Wear. If you don't want to show up Friday night, the Warriors game looking like a rhinestone cowboy because you borrowed your dad's 10-gallon hat. Just had little shivers there thinking about rhinestone cowboy bread. Uh, for all the latest fashion in Western Wear, including British Columbia's largest slut, if you recall, that's the song Evan made me. 
Sing for losing who you got. No, it's don't cowboy. Selection of cowboy boots for men, ladies, and children. Stampede Tech is a must for your pregame warm-up, or even if you're just looking for a new cowboy hat. Stampede Tech, located in Cloverdale since 1966. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Quarter two is now over. We're moving to halftime, and on the other side, quarter three, it's Bomber. Lefty Bombs, Brendan Bomberry of the Georgia Swarm is next. Stick around. This is Kurt Belowski, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into what quarter are we in, Brad? Because uh, we're recording out of order here. Well, this is quarter three. Okay. We're mixing it up a little bit. Lots of trade deadline talk off the top. So this is the third quarter here. With All right. Our, third, with our guest. third quarter uh, is brought to you by Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. Rycor Construction. .ca, and if you want to get, well, if you want to get in touch with Rycor, it's easy to do. Check them out on Facebook, check them out on Instagram, and uh, you won't be disappointed in their work, man. They've been at it for over 15 years. Anything that you need done, fencing, decks, renos, they do it all at Rycor Construction, and they make it stand out. That's what you want. I'm uh, I'm getting ready to pull the trigger on the kitchen here, man, so stay tuned for that as we welcome back to the podcast member of the Iroquois Nationals, member of the Georgia Swarm, former Syracuse Orangeman, and co-founder of Turtle Island Lacrosse as well. It's Lefty Bombs, Bomber, back on the pod. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Welcome back to Lax Class. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Why is it Lefty Bombs as a right-hander? Brandon, <laughs> um, kind of a long story, but um, it's back in high school um, when I was at the Hill Academy. We used to uh, at lunchtime we used to go down to locker room six. We used to locker box, so a couple of us, you know, we got our helmets and gloves on, and uh, during lunchtime, and <laughs> one particular day, I was fighting against my classmate Nick Ritchie, um, Orangeville guy, uh, NHL, NHL right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were boxing and. Uh, I guess I hit him with the left hand and uh, he kind of fell over. And ever since then, he called me lefty bombs and uh, never really stuck. I was always bomber until I got to uh, Syracuse. And But uh, Tyson was there as well. They called him bomber. So they had to give me lefty. And then ever since then, it's kind of stuck. There you go. Nick Ritchie, NHL era. Well, I know you're uh, you're pulled over in the wagon right now, coming back from Aguasazne, heading back to Syracuse. But uh, a good weekend for you guys as you picked up a big victory with your Georgia Swarm over Halifax. And that one had to feel pretty good for you guys. You starting to get it going at home a little bit. I see the crowd starting to, to rise up a little bit there down in Duluth as well. And then you pick up a win over a much-needed Halifax team to, to kind of bump you guys up in the standings a little bit. Yeah, and I think uh, that, that, was, that uh, win was big for us. And I guess it kind of started with our win uh, the week before that against Rochester. We kind of knew that you know, it was time to uh, put our foot on the gas pedal and, and put ourselves in the gear. And, you know, it's, we're playing playoff lacrosse, you know, two months early, you know, we need to uh, pick up some wins to, to get ourselves where we want to go. And, you know, to kind of give, get a big win against a really, really good uh, Halifax team was a big morale booster for our, our team. And like you said, you know, the, the crowd down in Georgia, you know, it's gotten bigger and bigger, you know, as our games gone, have gone along and, uh, you know, it might not look full at all, but, uh, you know, it's pretty loud and they, they definitely make up the empty seats that are there. And, you know, they treat us really well and it's been awesome so far. 
This was a lot of changes into the Georgia Swarm lineup heading into the season. Brent, obviously, without a couple of your key right-handers there, and then you stepping up there, some some rookies into the lineup as well. Do you think it's taken a while for the squad to to gel with so many new faces in the lineup? Yeah, I think so, and I think that, you know, go, from the start, we kind of knew it was kind of going to be like that. Some guys had to step up and play a more dominant role um, with the, the guys that we lost, and, you know, it's kind of right around this time where, you know, Eddie and, and Chai always kind of talk about how, you know, we're 11 games in and, you know, those younger guys and rookie guys, you know, they have that experience now of 10 games and it's kind of time to, you know, step up and, and try to, uh, you know, like I said, play more of a dominant role and just kind of get rolling. And I think that, you know, in the first couple of games of our season, you know, although they were losses, you know, they weren't by very much. And um, I think we learned a lot from those and we kind of, you know, use those experiences to kind of help propel ourselves and, uh, these last few games and hopefully continue to do that coming up here. Yeah. Sitting at six and six now, and it's been an interesting kind of progression in your career too, Brendan, you know, getting drafted and, and playing in a defensive transition role, but with the departure of Zeddy and, and Randy, you get put up front and, and playing alongside Lyle and, and you fit into the offense quite nicely and, and having a real good year. But what did that experience do for you? to come and play offense, playing out of the back gate. What did you learn doing that that's helped you in your offensive game? I, I learned a lot, and that was something that I really, you know, I, I took to heart, and I wanted to play a really good defensive kind of role and really buy into that system and and really learn it. And I think that, you know, me doing that, it, it taught me a lot of what works on offense, what doesn't, you know, what a defender likes to do. And now kind of, you know, kind of have that mindset of, you know, okay, you know, a defender likes doing this or a defender feels more comfortable doing this and trying to work against that and using that into the offensive game. And, you know, just kind of letting my teammates know, you know, as a, as someone who's played on the back door, especially with myself and Macintosh, you know, we have that experience back there, you know, we can kind of use those situations to our advantage and kind of help our teammates out in that sense. John Arlotta, a bold general manager. You know, he's made a lot of moves over the year, but maybe more moves over the last handful of seasons than, than anybody. And, and he did something did something this week that I don't know if anybody saw coming. Like, he, he brought in a veteran at the trade deadline, which is not something that the Georgia Swarm have done traditionally. But Steph LeBlanc's going to join that team. You guys are 6-6. Six and six. You're in a playoff spot right now. Um, you know, kind of what do you make of that deal and how nice is it to see a veteran come in and just sort of show that this team is, is all in for this season. Yeah. Like break out the Ben gay for, for him and, and Halsey <laughs> out there. Right. Like, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I always chirp Halsey and tell him that he needs that. Uh, I don't know what those copper sleeves that Brett Barber is that you see on those commercials. I always see Halsey. <laughs> I always had to send him a Snapchat when I see him in Costco, but uh, yeah, it's exciting to see, you know, John and do that. And, and you know, you know, a player is pretty special when, when John brings him in and, you know, he, he picks and chooses very wisely who he brings in and, you know, he's a high character guy. And I think that's something that, you know, is very important to our, our group and we're a very close and, and tight knit group. So, you know, for John to bring someone in, you know, they, they're definitely have to be a pretty special player and an even better person. I think that, um, and he definitely showed that, uh, you know, today and we're excited to have uh, Steph there and we're just looking forward to the rest of the season. And we know, we've kind of seen what he can bring throughout the season. And we we're excited to put that into our offense for sure. Have Georgia and, and Toronto played yet this year? We have not. And it's, that's definitely a matchup that we're always kind of, uh, it's a pretty big rivalry that we've kind of built up over the years. And we've always played each other very hard, very tough. And, you know, um, we always kind of look forward to as, you know, a lot of us being from that area, Toronto, Hamilton area. So it's a, 
kind of a home game for a lot of us. So to be able to play in front of our families, which we don't get to do a lot is exciting. So, you know, we're not trying to look past Albany, but you know, that's one that I know that a lot of guys will be looking forward to having their families. And in the crowd. It's such a meat grinder in the East there bomber. Like it's, every game that you match up against somebody in your conference means something right now. There's kind of that mix of you, Albany, Philly, um, you know, Toronto's kind of a little bit of separation there, but there's a dog fight going on in the East for that four spot. Yeah, there really is. And, you know, you can't really afford to take a day off, like you said, and, you know, everyone can beat anyone on any given night. So it makes it that much more important. And at the same time, I think that it really prepares you, you know, for the playoffs and, you know, you know, you don't want to have any kind of cupcakes or anything like that throughout the season. You want to battle adversity to see what kind of, you know, character is made up in your room. And, you know, I think that's something that we've we've gone through this season and hopefully it prepares us, uh, you know, going forward. I think Mike, Mike Poulin's had his ups and downs this season. And, you know, obviously a veteran guy taking a couple of years off for during the pandemic, but I think probably had his best game of the season uh, when it mattered the most against the Halifax Thunderbirds. I think that's what we can expect from Pooley going forward. Um, just talk about his play this year and, and how much of a boost that was to see him play at the top of his game last weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, Pooley stood in his head and, you know, he's, he's been teammate of the year for a reason. He's one of those guys that you really want to pick up and, and help out when, you know, maybe things are going his way and, you know, no one's tougher on, on him than himself. And he kind of knew that. And, you know, it was really exciting to see him, you know, kind of step up and, and take another step and, you know, just, you know, for him to kind of do that going down the stretch, you know, it means a lot to us and it, you know, it just gives us that much more of a boost, you know, wanting to play for him and, and making sure that we're capitalizing possessions on offense. And then, you know, for a D to get those stops in front of him and, uh, you know, he's one of the greatest teammates in the game. That's for sure. Yeah. Honestly, like if you get goaltending like that out of Pooley, you guys can go somewhere. I'm, I'm sure of it. And man, was he ever fired up after that victory? Like big, you don't really see that type of emotion out of Mike Poolin that often, but he was definitely engaged in that one. As we speak with Brendan Bomberry. Uh, we got to talk about the other guy up front there in Lyle Thompson, who's just on an absolute heater this season. <laughs> and I don't know if it's surprising mm. to anybody, but I mean, it's got to be special to just kind of watch him pregame, during the game, postgame. Everything that he does is geared towards peak performance. And I think you can probably take away a lot of that from him as well. But a lot of fun playing with Dehasanunde. Yeah, and you said it, and he's he's the best player in the world for a reason. It's no secret, you know. He honestly he trains and practices like he's the worst player. You would think that you know he he had something to prove or something that he needed to work on, but you know it's it's just incredible to watch him day in and day out. And like you said, everything is is to make himself better. And you think about it, you watch him on the floor, then you think there's no way this guy can get better. And then he does something in practice or in a game that just kind of blows you away. And you know he's definitely a leader on our offense, and um, you know. <laughs> playing offense with him makes it pretty easy when uh, you're playing with the best player in the world. You know, he takes a lot of attention. So, you know, sometimes you kind of get lost in the middle there and you're, you're wide open because, you know, he's taking on three or four guys at a time and, you know, just you kind of get a layup. So it's definitely nice being able to play with him and you definitely learn a lot. And it's, it's been, a, um, it's been awesome so far. We're talking to Brendan on zoom and every once in a while, I see a little head poking up from the back seat there as you're pulled over on the, <laughs> Side of the road, I know you're a big family guy, Bomber, and you actually wrote a kid's book. Uh, tell us about that. And, and was that something you always wanted to do, or how did that idea I'm trying to remember your kid's name, too. I can't, it's it's something cool. I know that, but I can't remember what it is. Jagger Bombs. There nice you Jagger. go. There you Jagger go. Jagger Bombs. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he likes to jump in the car with me and come to these camps and do those types of things. It's awesome to have him with me. And, uh, 
yeah, he's he's awesome. It's the best job in the world is being Jagger's dad. What's the but, slap uh, shot up to now? Like, I know you're down in the basement with, like, a full rink, and, like, you got it going on down there, and he, like, he's ahead of the curve as far as his age group goes. I know that. Yeah, he's, you know, ever since he's been little, it's not really, there are not many toys around. It's usually hockey and lacrosse sticks, so right now it's hockey season, so he's full go into that, and, you know, every year he's taking a big step in with his skating and, and, and his stick handling skills, and you know, he's one of these uh, generational kids where they're uh, growing up with YouTube. So he's seen a lot of different tricks on YouTube that he's trying every day. So awesome. that's fun. And he's definitely uh, getting into that. Well, tell us about the book, man. How long was that something, an idea that you were marinating on? And did you always want to uh, be an author? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, I can probably count on, the, on my one hand how many books I've read in my life. So, <laughs> you know, it wasn't something that was really right on, on the radar. But me and you both, man. Me and you both. Yeah, I was in my last year at Syracuse and, um, you know, a publishing company from my reserve and Six Nations kind of reached out and I wasn't really sure of it, didn't know how I could do it. And uh, just because it had just been going through school and I was sick of writing papers anyway. So, but, you know, they kind of got on me, took some meetings and, you know, what one of the things they told me was, I guess, first of all, the, the name is Ontario Native Literacy Coalition. So they focus on literacy in Indigenous communities. So one of the things that we wanted to do was create a book about lacrosse that would engage people that would they'd find interesting and want to read and, and up their literacy in, in, you know, native communities, you know, where, you know, our education isn't so prevalent and something that, you know, when that when they told me that it kind of really sparked my interest and it made me really want to, you know, get involved and do that. And it was something that I really enjoyed and, and to be able to be a part of something like that, that means so much to you know, not just the Haudenosaunee, but all, you know, Indigenous people across Canada and the U.S. to kind of be a part of that and to write on something that I'm so passionate about and I love so much was, you know, it was a no-brainer for me once I heard that. And, you know, it's been an exciting process. And, you know, it took about two, year and a half, two years to kind of get all the interviews and all the kind of stories out there and get everything written and published. But, you know, it's it's been an awesome ride so far, that's for sure. Well, I know I got a copy and my girlfriend, like, stole it from me and I haven't got it back yet. So I haven't been able to digest it. But uh, I look forward to doing that. And, you know, you mentioned the Haudenosaunee and Indigenous people and, and something that you're very passionate about. And that's got to be the Iroquois Nationals as well, Bomber. And, and I know you had a chance to kind of participate. We had Jared Thompson on last week and, and I asked him about an update. And you've kind of been at the forefront and, and a big voice in this department about getting the Iroquois to the Olympics in LA coming up. I know the world games are, are on the horizon here, but do you have a, any kind of an update on how the program has progressed and where the steps and stages are at right now? I know uh, the women and the men have kind of combined and that's a joint force. And that's something we talked a lot about and, and something that need to happen. And that looks like it's a green light. So that's fantastic. But what's next on the horizon here for the, for the Nats to, to make their way to LA? Yeah, I think that was kind of the biggest thing, you know, going forward was kind of, you know, joining our programs together. And that's something that, you know, I don't really have uh, too big of an update just from that. I think, you know, I'm sure there'll be more with, you know, the sixes coming up this summer. So I think we'll have a lot more clarity between now and then, and then even more so into the world games. I know that there's a lot of, you know, our, our board and, you know, the people that are representing us, you know, are, are working every single day to kind of make that process go smoothly so that we can get into the, of the Olympics and uh, kind of be there for that. So, you know, I know every single day is kind of changing, so I guess we'll kind of see, but I know we'll definitely have more clarity as we go on. And, uh, 
especially as we get in closer to the sixes tournament this summer. Yeah. And, and sixes, I would say, Brennan is a game that is really suited for your brand of lacrosse. And from a guy that's played it, you know, it's tough to get a good read on it. Just watching what, what's it like to play? Do you like it? Does, does it need some tweaks? Like, what do you think about it? Personally, I loved it. I, I thought it was one of the more fun, you know, forms of lacrosse I've played. Um, obviously there could be some tweaks and, um, you know, I think maybe goal size would be one of them. Uh, I think there was a little bit of discrepancy on like the body contact. There was a lot of obviously guys that used to box, especially between us and Canada, there was a lot of, you know, cross checking and that sort of thing. So maybe some more clarity on that. And, you know, I think as the time goes on, you know, and I, the more I think about it, I, I first, I wasn't too fond of it, but more I think of it, you know, with other countries who you know, or up and coming and growing, you know, this is the perfect for them because, you know, they may only have, you know, 10, 10 or so players that can play at that level. So it kind of suits them better. And, you know, if it's going to grow our game and, and, and help these countries develop more, you know, I'm all for it. And, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to the tournament this summer. It's going to be a tough, tough team to crack though. Hey, like when you're talking America, Canada, Iroquois, like you're going to have to bring your A game during tryouts to, to make a roster. Oh, definitely. I think, cutting those rosters that's another thing maybe uh increasing the roster sizes but uh yeah it's definitely going to be um you know pretty nuts to kind of fill out that roster and to only field 10 guys or you know i guess there's 11 guys and maybe one goalie you know that's a lot and you know i definitely you know i don't uh you know i wouldn't want the coaches and gm's job that's for sure i think that might be one of the tougher jobs in lacrosse right now if you to fill up those rosters and sorry to dominate here brad but i want to get this in while we're on topic here and just as far as the women's program goes bomber like how is how has that been how what are the numbers like what's the talent level like and and all that sort of stuff like this is a big step for you guys yeah i think um you know they're definitely still up and coming i think you know as uh i know that um you know, there's more changes to come. And I think once those change, I, I don't, I can't really comment on them sure. right now. I'll yep. let them handle it. But, you know, I know there are some um, changes coming. And I think that once those things are more ironed out, and I think there'll be a lot more girls that kind of get into that and, and join the, um, you know, the program. And I think, you know, there's, you know, we watched them compete down at the sixes and, you know, that game suits them more than anything too. And, you know, for them, they're, uh, you know, they're wildly talented, you know, it's, maybe even more so talented than men with the, the pockets they have to use. So, you know, they're going to be exciting to watch and they're definitely going to be up and coming and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be competing for a gold medal here soon. No doubt in my mind that is on the bucket list there for the Nats. Uh, Brandon, we won't keep you any more time. I know you got to make your way back to the Qs. Uh, safe travels with you and, and Jagger Bomb there and best of luck with you and your swarm coming up against Albany this weekend. Look forward to watching you play. Perfect. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. There is Lefty Bomb. We got we got the the story behind the name there, Brad. Uh, Lefty Bombs Bomber, and what a player uh, Brandon Bomberry has turned himself into since being drafted into the NLL, and now like bona fide offensive threat there. And he and Lyle together has been a real special combination. Yeah, he his shooting percentage is unreal. I think he's got like 267, I think, is his shooting percentage, if I dig that up correctly, which Pretty is good. just a Anything over insane number for a four yeah, yeah, for a forward who takes that many shots and is out there as often as he is. But Such yeah, what a, a benefit. Like when you want when you have a guy like Lyle Thompson, you want to balance it out with guys like Bomber who are going to set picks and create space and are gonna finish when they need to finish. And yeah, he's got a righty bomb from the outside. <laughs> he's got a great two-man game. 
and just clear out of the way, man. Like, how many times have we seen Lyle Thompson get underneath and then go airborne? Like, he did it probably five or six times in that game this past weekend, jumping on right in, on top of Warren Hill. And and it's like, no matter what you do to defend that, he's so slippery, he's still going to get underneath. So he he that means that Brendan Bomber is going to be open for that little flip pass back. Pick and pop. And, Pick and pop, and he's been he's been fantastic. Everybody wondered what was going to happen with with Randy and and Miles. You know, you mentioned Zed and Randy up, but Miles Thompson too. Like that entire right side has been reimagined in yeah. Georgia, and it's nice to see. I think they're one of the hottest teams in the National Lacrosse League right now, and really putting it together the last couple weeks. I think they're uh, we're in for a special run here from the Georgia Swamp. Such a smooth release on that shot as well. Like he doesn't overpower you with it, but he paints corners and uh, it's. He's he's a fun player to speaking of Miles, uh signed by the Georgia yeah, Swarm. Act- activated. A little activated. Kyrie Irvin action. Uh, unvaccinated Miles Thompson, but I guess it's now where we're at in the world, eligible to play in some arenas south of the border. So we'll see if number two for the Georgia Swarm draws his way into the lineup. Quarter three is now complete. We got one more quarter to go. Buddy Evan Sheminar rejoins us, a special winner of Who You Got This Week. And a couple of parlays came home as well as we'll bring you Who You Got and Lax Class Locks in the final frame. Stick around, EP 175, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is NLL Hall of Famer Paul Gate. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into the fourth and final quarter. That means no more breaks. Before we get into all the good stuff, I gotta please ask you nicely to subscribe to the podcast, throw down a review while you do that, and give us a follow on social media. At Brad Shell, at PXP for Sports, at Shemlax, at Lax Class. I know your following count's going to go up here, but that's okay. At Lacrosse Classified on Insta. We got a Facebook page. And if you're old school and you're not on social media, you can always get a hold of the show via email at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Fourth quarter means it's time for who you got and our buddy, Evan Shemanauer. This is how we do. This is how we do it here on EP 175. Welcome back to the podcast, Evan. Uh, how's it going? Going all right. I'm hoping you guys have recovered after that. But you know what? Props on the two of you for trying to keep that game positive. I don't know how you do it. It's yeah, those games we we mentioned off the top. It's always a little more challenging to call those kind of games, but uh, we've we've done our fair share of them. So we battled through the elements there. Uh, Saskatchewan dropping dropping a tough one to uh, the San Diego Seals down there in SoCal. What else is new at this stage? It's <laughs> when it, when it started, it's like five, six, seven. I'm like, yeah, they're done. It's just the way this season's gone. It's it's forget it. And the fact that that offense didn't put up another goal or two, and it's all it would have taken. How do you feel about their non-moves this week? Oh, 
I don't agree. <laughs> with, I don't disagree with with Derek Keenan that often, but the season's done. I don't know if it You've is. You've got uh, assets. The season's done. Okay. Even if they somehow make the playoffs, there is no way this team is winning. I, I can't believe that there's so many teams that are still ranked. You know, the odds are better to take them than Saskatchewan Rush at this stage on goal bet for the championship. It doesn't make sense because this team with that offense cannot win the championship. Simple as that. We shall see. Uh, enough about all that. It's time for who you got. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Oh, there you go. Who you got? And special doesn't come out often here, guys. Usually only for a perfect week. Rocky theme music here. But uh, this week, a little more special than most with this week's Big winner, Evan. Big winner is unfortunately misses. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say for. I, I'm going to say you, Don't you dare say unfortunately. For, it's very fortunately <laughs> because hopefully she rubs it in a bit. Congratulations, Danny. She went what six for seven. Six for but seven. Mr. Yeah. But missed her eight game, which is unusual that you can still win it missing your eight game. But nobody was even really. <laughs> but and I also should mention that. I didn't know this, but Danny has two accounts, and we never stipulated when signing up. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to increase your chances for a weekly win, maybe have a second account because I, she's like, I won who you got this week. I said, no, you didn't. She goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know she had a second account. So I'm scrolling through it. I'm like, Dan Gre- Greening is her maiden name. And of course, Danny, her first Dan Green is <laughs> what no. she went. Subshot Sal, Dan Green is this week's winner, which just happens to be my girlfriend, <laughs> Evan. So now, just just in case you're you're keeping score, that's uh, a weekly win for for yours truly. That's uh, a weekly win for one Brad Challoner over there. That's a weekly win for one Miss Dania Greening. And still, Evan Schamenauer in search of his first weekly win of who you got. But amongst the group, I think I still have the most valuable prize playing who you got. Yeah. Gets you nothing unless you take it all down. Gets A rebowering it. jersey? Hey, guess what? That's still more valuable than anything you guys have got playing this game. Uh, I don't know. The, the ridicule you have to put up with every week for... <laughs> You know, a Bowering jersey on the wall at the end of the season. I'm I, okay with it. I'm absolutely. And that is I in. Uh, I have your jersey, by the way. It's in my hands. hands. I'll there bring it go. to you uh, April 8th for the TSN game of the week. Okay, so, boys. Uh, who you got week 16? What do we got here? April One, 9th, two, three. April 9th. One, April 9th. two, three, four, five, six big games on the docket here for week 16. We get Thursday lacrosse, we get Friday lacrosse, and we get Saturday lacrosse here. I'm looking forward to week 16. 
Big bounce back week here coming, so let's get into this. Uh, I guess, oh. Evan, are you? did you do the best out of us this week? I again? think I did the best out of the three, and I have now four points behind the Chancellor. I was, what, 20 points or something behind? Like, yeah, it, I've had a rough stretch here. I've been slide. First off, get your picks in early because it is Thursday, 9 Eastern. We get a Thursday night game, the Battle of the Prairies, Potentially one of the two biggest rivalries in the NLL, Saskatchewan, Calgary. Brad Challoner, who you got? Oh, this whole week. You're going to hear that sound, I think, before every pick this week. This is just, here we are, week 16. We've we've learned our lessons. We've taken our lumps. Um, A Thursday nighter is a weird one. Calgary, I feel like, never plays lacrosse. I'm going to take the Roughnecks at home. I wanted to, like, again, you take, make all your picks and then look how it looks for the weekend. Like, are the Rush going to sweep? Are the Roughnecks going to lose twice? Like, I don't think so. I think the Roughnecks' best chance to win is probably, you know, and even though they got Panther City coming in, it was rolling. I think their best chance to win is this awkward Thursday night where they can try to catch, catch a team off guard after a bad loss. The Roughnecks have been off on the shelf for so long. Give me the Roughnecks with a six here. Jake Elliott, who you got? I'm in line with one Brad Challenger's theory on all of that. Roughnecks for a four. I'm going to have some faith in the rush here. <laughs> After you I, just I took a dump on him like five minutes I ago. Done. They're done. I, I should It's over. <laughs> but Calgary hasn't played in a while. They have, were not playing well. Their defense is a mess. Saskatchewan's offense. So... First off, I would say take the under. I'm going to take the rush just because it's such an oddball night. Evan, do me a favor. Or a four. Okay. Do me a favor and maybe just put your phone on speaker. You're sounding a little muffled. I know you're not on your headset this week, but maybe just. Oh, throw... not on the phone. Okay. What are you on? Just the zo- straight zoom. Okay. Yeah, he sounds okay to me. Okay. All right. Now, you guys know my pick is in this one. Friday night down in Colorado. Five and six Warriors, six and four Mammoth, both struggling a bit late. Brad Chandler, who you got? I, for one, cannot be purchased for any price when it comes to (laughs) matters of my who you got integrity, but I do see the Vancouver Warriors bouncing back. I think think you got to pick a goaltender and and sort of ride them out through the tough times in this game too. I think that was a bit of an issue in in Toronto. Let's see someone start and let's see them sort of ride the wave in this one and try to catch some confidence. Give me the Warriors to bounce back with a four. Warriors for a five. This is a massive game for both teams in the standings here. Colorado 2-0 against Vancouver, but I think a little road trip down to Denver is just what the doctor ordered here for the Vancouver Warriors. Warriors five. I'm a little shocked on Cool Bet just how close the odds are in this game because, you know, and, and the difficulty this week is there's so many close games trying to figure out who your eight, seven, six are. They're not that easy. But that being said, the way the Warriors played this week, last weekend, is just not sitting well with me. I don't know if Logan Chess even going to be available to play on a Friday night in Colorado. I'm not sure about that. Give me the Mammoth for a six. Thank you, Evan. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, uh, Saturday night, 7 Eastern, 6 and 6 Georgia Swarm, who have now started to pick things up lately against the most inconsistent team in the NLLs. They're hot, they're not. 6 and 7 
Albany Firewolves. This one is a critical one to potentially decide that crossover spot. Brad Challenger, who you got? Ooh. This was my second <laughs> ooh. This was the toughest one of the weekend. Like, I talking about these are I think two of the hottest teams in Buffalo and Toronto included. Half the East is hot right now, but these are two teams that are really trending in the right direction for me. This one's going to be tight. This one's going to go right down to the wire. Um, but I think Albany squeaks it out at home at MVP Arena. It's my three game though. Elliot, who you got? I was actually, I don't know if you heard that drip. I was looking for my trusty quarter. I was going to go with the, oh, there it is. First coin flip for the weekend. Actually, nope. That's, oh yeah, there it is. Hang on. This is awesome podcasting right here, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, heads for home team. I really don't know who's going to win this game. Maybe the coin will. I'm bailing out. Here we go. I'm thinking this is your three game regardless. Tails never fails. Give me the Georgia Swarm in this one. And no, I'm putting a six beside the Swarm. Ooh, on a coin flip. Yep. Six. Bucket. I'm taking the Swarm for three. I, th- I think they finally turned the tide here. Albany, I just don't know which Albany's going to show up, and that's really the problem. So Georgia for three. Glenn Clark must hate me. Like, <laughs> I don't know when the last time I picked Albany was. No, hey, he's doing fine. He's in a playoff spot. Yeah. He's doing absolutely fine. Well, right. he did say, he goes, I don't care if you pick me or not. Only thing that matters is the last game of the year. So, yeah. that's his mentality. All right. Now, here comes the second game in Calgary this weekend. This is actually, this, they got to do this two times this year now because of the rescheduled game that they missed back in December. Four and eight, Panther City Lacrosse Club, winners of three in a row. And a team that has scored 37 goals against two of the best defenses in the league, playing the three and six Calgary Roughnecks. Brad Chalner, who you got? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how tough it is this week. It is. I literally, I'm literally just changed this as I was picking. Like I want to go. My first gut was was Panther City. Can this expansion team win four games in a row though and keep it rolling? Calgary, the guys are probably going to get into town on Wednesday. They're going to have the day off in Calgary, in market, just kind of hanging around, watching tape, probably team bonding, getting refocused. So I actually think this could be a doubleheader win weekend for the Calgary Roughnecks. Give me the Ruffies with a five. Elliot, who you got? Well, Brad almost convinced me with that little spiel right there, but I'm not getting off Panther City. They are one of the hottest teams in the NLL right now. I know their record says four and eight, but three in a row here and... Taking on a Calgary team that's got two games in three days. I know they're both at home. Good luck seeing Panther City jerseys on in <laughs> Calgary. Maybe that'll be an advantage for the uh, the Panther City Lacrosse Club. Give me Panther City, but uh, that's my three game. That's what I was going to say. Good luck to the announcers on this one because my good. Um... I, I don't understand the cool bet odds here, and we'll get into that a little bit later with Calgary at a minus 154. Doesn't understand it. Panther City is just scoring too often, even if Christian Del Bianco is able to tighten that scoring a little bit. Calgary's offense just hasn't put up enough lately. Give me Panther City for a four. Let's pick it up. All here. Right. We've got two games left. Half hour later in Saskatchewan, the three and eight Rochester Nighthawks, three and eight Saskatchewan rush. Brad Challenger, who you got? Oh, the records are both three and eight. This one was my easy game of the weekend. Give me the rush with Zeke Elliott, who you got? Pretty simple here. I, like, who would have thought 
Rochester and Saskatchewan, three and eight at this juncture of the season. Insane. Rush seven. They win this game. Yeah, it's pretty simple here. I got Rush for a seven as well. And then Saturday, the midnight oil going out east, 10 p.m. Eastern. Colorado Mammoth six and four. Well, they will be six and five or seven and four by that time. Heading against the number one seed in the in the West, San Diego Seals eight and two. Brad Chandler, who you got? Ooh, <laughs> my fourth ooh, by the way. Um, I got the Mammoth. I got the Mammoth beating San Diego at Pachanga Arena. I think you know a doubleheader weekend. Some teams do well off doubleheader weekends. They're going to have a new face in the lineup in in, in Gibson. San Diego's going to have a new face and lineup in Hickey, but I think Hickey is going to take some time in finding the rhythm in that offense more quickly than, or more slowly than, than Gibson is. Um, I think, and San Diego's a little beat up on that lefty side of the floor. Frankie versus Dylan Ward in the doubleheader weekend. He's going to be dialed. I'm going to take the mammoth in this one with a seven. Seven. Oh, now I almost feel like Brad changed my mind. I'm not, I know he's way higher than me in the standing, so I can't really just kind of follow his lead if I want. I think my hopes of an overall title are long gone here. But uh, I'm going to take San Diego in this game. They just seem like they're on a, a bit of a destiny run here. They're finding all sorts of different ways to win games, whether it be defensively, offensively, rookies, veterans. Home wins, road wins. They're eight and two. They're at home. Give me San Diego. This is my eight game. This is my eight game too. And one thing I was going to mention: Colorado has just struggled at the dot, and they tried to address it. They kind of addressed it, but Tim Edwards' loss, that loss of Tim Edwards has just been massive. Until they get that settled, it's going to be a bit, a bit of a headache. Dylan Ward. Got Chasey, did not It's not play like well. San Diego has a big dominant face-off guy in their own right. No, they don't. But I just don't like where Colorado's headed lately. I'm, I've got San Diego for an eight. Okay. There you go. That is week 16. Who you got? Don't forget, make your selections early because Thursday night lacrosse, don't want to get left behind. And once again... The overall crown is probably out of your reach if you have not signed up for who you got right now, but you can still win a weekly prize, something Evan has never done. Just sign up, go to the Lax Glass Twitter account, Office Pool Junkies, search who you got with two T's on the end of it. The password is Lax Glass, and get in on the action. Still lots of weeks left for you to win some prizes, courtesy of our friends at Stampede Tack and Western. We're out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Boots, hats, jeans, belts, leathers, saddles, all of it. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping low. That is who you got. One more segment to come. It's Lax Glass Locks. It's locked.
because I came up empty on my parlay, but both of you guys got back in the win column and put some jumbo bucks in the people's pockets. Way to go. Yeah, you know what? You, the, the handicap was my friend. It took me, what, 15 weeks to figure out how to work a handicap, but it's actually pretty <laughs> lucrative as long as do you pick the game that you think is going to be the closest and take the team that... Um, that has the plus the plus one point five or the plus two point five. Keep it close, and they either win or lose by one or two, and you're you're making bank. So it took me a while to figure it out. The handicap did well for me last weekend. Two of my three of my parlays were handicapped, so I'm gonna do the same this week. All right. Yeah, my end, San Diego saved me at the at the tail end of that one, but yeah, I'm on the money line. I think I had them on the point spread, which screwed me. No, you had uh, yeah, but I think. Chalner had them on the rush on the spread, which helped him. Yeah. The, uh, well, the who cares that, about like, that? I, I, I went and actually adjusted Albany's all the way up to a plus two point five, and uh, but of course, combined parlay missed because of Colorado spin. So boosted odds go the way of Brad Chalner's parlay this week. We will, if we don't get another win, we'll get Evans up next week, and I just have to. Stick my thumb in my mouth and suck it up. Uh, so, Brad, let's go with your boosted odds, courtesy of CoolBet. We haven't got the boosted odds yet, but just know that they will be juiced up once you hear Brad's parlay. And this one's pretty juicy to begin with anyways. We've got the Rot- I got the Saskatchewan Rush on the money line over Rochester at minus 208. Okay. Plus Panther City, plus 1.5 against the Calgary Roughnecks. So they win or they come close. It's minus 137. Just took Calgary I've also got, you got, but that's okay. I've, I've also got, well, Panther City just I has know. to keep it close or win, right? So that's how you play it. Uh, and then I got the Colorado Mammoth, same thing, plus 1.5 against San Diego Seals. So Colorado underdogs in this one, I like them to win this game. So they're either winning or coming within a goal and you're getting paid. So put those three together. 20 bucks wins you 92.71. What's the odds on that? 464. So I pr- they probably put that up to at least 500, 515, I would say. So that'll boost you uh, to about 120 bucks ish on a $20 bet. Sounds about right. Take it. Evan, your parlay, please. Mine's almost identical, I have to say, although I'm a little more aggressive with it. I've got Colorado straight up on the money line. So. No handicap is a minus 103. I've got Panther City to win straight up money line on a plus 125. I don't get why they're the underdog here, but they are. And I toggled with this one, whether to take the rush on the money line at minus 208 or goal and a half favorite at minus 119 against Rochester. I'll stick with the minus 208. 20 jumbo bucks pays 131. If you go to the one, minus 119, it actually pays around 165. Good luck to you, sir. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. not bad. bad at all. I am going to stick in the over-under category here, fellas, as I often like to do, because the odds to me are they are a little bit wacky, and there's some tough picks out there. But, again, you go back to the over-under stuff, and all you got to think, is it going to be a high-scoring game? Is it going to be a low-scoring game? And then make your pick accordingly. So for me, I am going under in the Georgia-Albany game at 22 for a minus 122. I think the way that Dougie has been playing lately and the way that Mike Poulin just played this past weekend, this game is screaming under to me. So I'm taking the under there. 
I'm going over in Rochester and Saskatchewan, which I think is going to be a real high-scoring game, especially if Hartley is not back. But either way, I see a lot of goals going in the net at Sastel Center. Over 22 at minus 114. And then I bring it to Saturday night and the nightcapper here between Colorado and San Diego. And all I have to do is look at the starting goaltenders in this game with one Dylan Ward and one Frank Chiliano. And that tells me, take the under at 21 for a minus 110. For a combined total odds of plus 552, 20 Jumbo Bucks gets you a nice return of 130.42. Thank me later when the money gets deposited in your bank account. Speaking of depositing, when you are a first-time depositor at CoolBet.com, look up in the top left corner, and before you make your deposit, Put in the bonus code LAXCLASS. Remember, first-time deposits only, but CoolBet will match up to $200 on your first-time deposit. So, you know, play within your means here, but if you're a smart individual, drop in the $200 right off the get-go. Then you got some, some play money here, but not that's not the best part. CoolBet will give you another $200. Suddenly you have $400 to play with for the remainder of the season. And all you can do is go up if you listen to our parlays here on LaxClass last week. So bonus code LaxClass, CoolBet.com, $200 free from CoolBet. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. That is how it's done. Good luck to you guys on your parlays. And we'll look forward to some fantastic... Week 16 National Lacrosse League action. I want to thank Brandon Bomberry for stopping by the podcast. And I want to thank our sponsors here, of course, as well. Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Don't forget Country Night coming up at Rogers Arena in a couple of weeks. Get out there so you're looking good at the Warriors game on the 25th. The Vancouver Warriors will be giving away a pair of tickets uh, next episode for Country Night at Rogers Arena, I'm sure. Associate Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Thanks for listening to EP175. We'll be back next Tuesday, regular time for EP176, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. But for now, we're out of here. For Evan Sheminar and Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.